Joining me right now, Marcy Wheeler, who comes on the program quite often. EmptyWheel.net is her site, and she covers civil liberties and national security. And Marcy has been writing a lot about the Justice Department under the Trump administration, getting metadata from members of Congress and their families, and then we learn Trump's own White House counsel. The same thing was happening. Don McGann, welcome back to the show, Marcy. Hey, uh, great to be back on. So you've been covering this. The New York Times reported that the DOJ obtained phone records of Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, their families, their staffers, uh, perhaps other members of the Intelligence Committee. And you help clarify exactly what these revelations mean. You're quick to clarify it's not exactly spying and go on to detail the phone number and email address metadata that was obtained. Tell, tell us more about it. Right. Best that we understand, this was part of a real investigation. It was a serious investigation. Um, there was a counterpart investigation with a guilty plea in the Senate Intelligence Committee regarding who leaked uh, the fact that Carter Page had been targeted under FISA. And that, you know, to, let's be honest, that was an unprecedented kind of leak. And therefore, it was a very serious leak investigation. Um, where it gets really murky is precisely what they were trying to do in February when they got the subpoena from Apple. And it appears that they had a suspect who was on the House Intelligence Committee. And for some unexplained reason, asked Apple, not just for the at least as the New York Times describes it. And, and I have to say that the reporting on this is not very helpful in its specificity. But as the New York Times describes it, um, the prosecutors asked for not just the identities of the people that this suspect was talking to, but also their phone records, going back to the time that they first became Apple customers. So... It, it had the effect of what back in 2006 was called a community of interest, like finding out uh, it's like a too hot thing. Like let's figure out who is talking to the suspects and who is talking to the people who are talking to the, the suspects. Um, and that, if that is what happened, that technique was supposed to have been ruled out um, back in 2006 because of an inspector general's report. Um, so if that's what happened right there, it's a tremendous scandal. But, um, well, I, I, but I mean, you're, you're, what you're pointing to is the breadth of this. They have a suspect. They want to know who the suspect is speaking to. They surveil all of these members of Congress going way back uh, for years through Apple and their families and staffs as well. Well, and, and it is believed that the reason it picked up their families and the reason it picked up the kid and the reason it picked up Adam Schiff is not because there's no allegation or not a credible one anyway, that the prosecutors believed that they were going to get Adam Schiff's phone records when they made that request. At least as far as what's public, that has not been claimed yet. What they did was say, hey, Apple, um, here's a bunch of selectors emails and phone numbers. Can you give us what you have on these people? And, um, and that it, it, 
So they didn't know the names of people. They just knew numbers. They knew numbers and they didn't know who had the numbers. Now, normally, and there's a separate allegation about Don McGahn and what appears to have happened with Don McGahn is a grand jury said, hey, who whose number is this? And that's what was obtained as, again, given, you know, painfully inexact reporting. That's what happened to Don McGahn. If somebody said, hey, can you tell us whose, whose number this is? And it came back and said Don McGahn and his wife. In this case, in the Hipsy case, what came back was not just the this is Adam Schiff's number, stay away. And this is a, a child who has no access to classified information. But instead, what came back was their name. And all of their call records, all of their toll records, all of their Apple traffic metadata going back to, to when they began um, as Apple customers. Um, and at the time, the investigation didn't develop any further. As I said, there, there was a guilty plea in the Senate. They had already kind of found their at least one person to blame in the Senate. Um, so nothing much happened there. And then there's a new level of scandal, which is that in 2020, Bill Barr, based on some crazy explanation, decides he's going to resuscitate this investigation. And, okay. so, it, and what should have happened when they got call records from Adam Schiff and from Eric Swalwell and from a child is they should have, at best, sealed them, made them inaccessible. Um, ideally, they should have just gotten rid of them all together. But they, 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 they were kept on FBI servers, as far as we understand. And Bill Barr comes in in 2020 and says, hey, let's look back into those call records that we obtained in 2017. And given the form of his denials and how used we are to his denials being very narrow, um, you know, it's not even clear that when the investigation was was revisited in 2020, it's not even clear they were still looking for a leak. You know, it may have right. been they were trying to hurt uh, uh, President Trump. It may you know, it, put on your Bill Barr hat and imagine something really scandalous. And that's probably what it was. But um, but what appears to have happened is Bill Barr um, exploited the fact that there was an overly broad request in 2018 to go back and look into Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff. Right. So we have an investigation that was opened and Jeff Sessions was the attorney general. And we now, and we have the reporting that Bill Barr decided to keep that open, even though career people said there was nothing that was found regarding um, these individuals and leaks. How is it that Jeff Sessions, Rod Rosenstein, who even if Jeff Sessions recused himself from anything Russia, Rod Rosenstein was then overseeing that, and Bill Barr claim they knew nothing about this? Right. So what should have happened when a prosecutor made an overly broad request in 2018 and discovered, oh my gosh, I've just gotten... The, the call records for the rank, then ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee, what should have happened is that person should have told her supervisors and her supervisor's supervisors. And as far as we know, because uh, both Sessions and Rosenstein seem to have given this explanation, which is that the initial request was targeting a different HIPC staffer. 
as far as we know, they claim never to have been told that the request pulled in Adam, Adam Schiff's uh, phone records. Um, and, you know, maybe the prosecutor didn't want to tell them. Who knows? Or maybe, um, you know, and, and one of the things I point out is the day that request was made was this in between time. Like, it's not clear whether Sessions was fully recused from the investigation or not. Um, the National Security Division head would have been involved in some way. Uh, and that request happened um, days, I don't know, 10 days before John Demers, who's the current national security head, took over. So it was like this transition period to begin with, and it's not clear where the lines of authorities were. Now, John Demers, who, uh, like I said, he's still around, reportedly was getting updates on this on this leak investigation. Um, he hasn't said to the press whether or not he knew that and Adam he's now he's now stepping him. down uh, at the well, end he of was next anyway mm-hmm. yeah so he was doing he was going to step down anyway um it was reported out today that uh that he had already been planning on leaving um okay. next week so, so so that's not actually a new development it's new news so we have a man who was president of the united states who claimed that people were trying to take him down, claimed that they were uh, spying on him, claimed that um, they needed to be investigated, said it how many times, Schiff needs to be investigated, uh, wanted the Justice Department to do this, was angry at Jeff Sessions for not doing enough, brought Bill Barr in to do it, and none of this really looks like that, like that he knew. <laughs> none of this, no, wait, uh, let me see. None of the way this looks is the way it is that he knew and ordered any of this? Well, I mean, we know from everything else that um, Barr claims never to have gotten specific orders from Trump. But if he didn't know what Trump wanted from watching him, watching his Twitter feed and watching him blather on TV, then it was obvious anyway. I mean, Bill Barr was very, you know, like his best explanation is he was very good at anticipating just what most corrupt requests Trump wanted and doing it and doing it. And so um, and he also says that he did not update Trump on the fact that they were. I mean, this is the crazy thing. He, he said, oh, you know, I never reported back to Trump that we were investigating the members of Congress, which seems to be an admission that he was, in fact, investigating the, the members of Congress. Right. Um, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to, to, to figure out how much we learn from Bill Barr. Um, but it seems that I mean, there was so much going on in that period in 2020 because you had Bill Barr intervening in Roger Stone's sentencing. You had Bill Barr trying to trying to completely reverse the prosecution of Mike Flynn. You had Bill Barr springing, springing um, Paul Manafort from prison. Um, and now we discover we, you have oh, you, you also have Bill Barr preventing DOJ from investigating Rudy's willful acceptance of Russian disinformation from a Ukrainian agent of Russia's Um, and, and not just preventing him from being prosecuted for being, you know, doing the bidding of a, of a Russian agent, but also 
protecting that information such that it could come into DOJ and be investigated on. I mean, the, the, the full scope of what I covered this man, and I was one of the people who early on said what he's doing is crazy, and, and you beat journalists need to be a lot more aggressive in covering it. But still, on a day-to-day basis, I'm, I'm, I'm just astounded at the depth of corruption of Bill Barr. So Merrick Garland um, said today that uh, there will be uh, new rules. They're going to change the rules about how members of Congress can be uh, surveilled, and this is serious, and it's going to require, um, uh, you know, a, a real scrutiny. And uh, the Inspector General of the Department of Justice has launched an investigation, and uh, obviously Congress, Nancy Pelosi, calling for subpoena for bar and sessions. Um, in terms of Merrick Garland and the Justice Department, though, coming after the action around E. Jean Carroll and defending Trump in court, the non-release of the full bar memo regarding Mueller. Um, what do you think about what Merrick Garland is doing, what he could do, how he is handling this particular issue? Well, you need to distinguish it into three buckets. One bucket is, is he implementing Biden's policies? And to, uh, you know, as far as we know, yeah. You know, one thing that, that Garland did uh, in the last couple of days was roll out a really aggressive defense of civil rights and voting. Um, so, yeah, that's something that Biden supports, Democrats support. He's doing that. The other, another thing is, is, what is he doing with the prior stance of DOJ? So, in other words, all of these court positions that Bill Barr bought off on, what is Merrick Garland doing? He's staying the course, and that's what's infuriating everybody. Is he, unsurprisingly, frankly, in most of these decisions, the E. Jean Carroll one and a few more, really, he should have found a way to get out of. But, um, you know, if anybody expected Merrick Garland and Lisa Monaco to, 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 to do this great reversal on the stances the DOJ had submitted in court, they were going to be surprised because that's not who either one of them is. Um, and it's not who DOJ is. I mean, DOJ, as a rule, does not back down from the positions DOJ has already taken. So that's frankly not that surprising. It's infuriating just because the nature of the Bill Barr decisions were so horrible. And then the third thing is, is Merrick Garland going to stand in the way of holding Trump accountable or isn't he? And, you know, I, I remind people of this because I think it's a really important measure. Literally, one of the first things that Lisa Monaco did, the deputy attorney general, one of the first things she did when she became deputy attorney general was authorize the search of Rudy Giuliani's uh, home and phones, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been covering that as well. And and it is it is going to be very damaging to Rudy Giuliani, at least. I suspect that the, rever- the, that, that the repercussions for other people, including Bill Barr, who protected this channel of Russian disinformation, um, it's going to have uh, pretty amazing repercussions, I think, if it continues out the way I expect it to. And so from day one, Lisa Monaco was not protecting Donald Trump. And I, and I also think that the way the January 6th investigation is scoped, Merrick Garland is not, you know, he didn't come in day one and say, I'm going to charge Donald Trump for incitement. But he has 
from day one, always said, if the evidence leads there, we're going to go right where the evidence leads. So Mm -hmm. I think um, that's not a, I'm not giving you the answer you'd like, which is that Merrick Garland is going to come in and arrest Bill Barr tomorrow, um, or that he's going to come in and reverse all of these horrible Mm -hmm. legal stances that Bill Barr adopted. He's not going to do those things, but he, um, he there's there's more nuance there than I think right. he gets in the press. I, I was just going to use that word, uh, and I think you've given people a lot here uh, and gone over the nuances, and it's better uh, news than I think a lot of people were perceiving, and they just need to look at this in a more complicated way. And thank well, the, you for yeah, and the other thing that, that people need to do is they need to remember that complex investigations take time. I mean, the Rudy Giuliani thing. It's going to take two months to wade through a legal fight to get to this phone contact. Um, right. And that's just how long it takes. The nature of it. I keep telling yeah. people that, yeah, that six months, it's been, it's been six months since January 6th. That's like a flash of time in a complex conspiracy investigation, even mm-hmm. ignoring the fact that you've got 500 defendants and mm-hmm. – the you know it's it's really difficult to collect all mm-hmm. of the evidence that's out there, and so those things are slowing well, down. Uh, what is otherwise uh, still a lightning fast investigation? Next time, and and we should do this soon. Uh, I want to do a deep dive with you on the insurrection and what we have learned and where it's going, uh, because you've been writing a lot about that. Thank you so much for coming on, as always, Marcy, and giving us a lot of insight. Always great to talk to you. Marcy Wheeler, independent journalist who writes about national security and civil liberties. EmptyWheel.net is her site, a must-read. At EmptyWheel on Twitter, you must follow her. We're back in a few minutes. This, this, this is the Michelangelo Senior Ellie Show on Sirius XM. Yeah.